Welcome to GWC, podcast number 321, recorded April 21st, 2012. Oh, Avengers is getting near, and we continue our Avengers arc in this episode with a rewatch of Thor. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap bag. And with me, Audra Hester. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the eye of Jupiter, man. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart. <laughs> Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. What's up? Oh, yeah. It's Thor time. Yes, it is. I've been waiting for this for my entire life now. (laughs) (laughs) We were rewatching it again, even though we didn't need to because we've seen it 8 billion times. Recently. I was talking to Chuck. I was trying to make some point like... Like, you know what's really interesting about the mythology in this movie is the way that they... And then he walks out of the shower. he walks out and I'm like... "Uh, she just stops yeah. talking. <laughs> I like, wait. What? I wait. The scene uh-huh. in. He puts, he puts some clothes on and then she's like, what was I talking about? I'm like, <laughs> you're talking about the mythology back in there. She's like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, okay. You're like, all right, I can see that. Yeah. Let, me just, let me just point out all those women. They're like, I don't really like guys that are big. And I never out, said that. And then out, yes, you have. And no, then I said, comes, I don't like guys who are so big that they can't put their arms down. Blah blah blah. Out comes out comes. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Hemsworth is so big. He can, when he runs, his pecs flap. I know. <laughs> She's like, but he can put his arms down. <laughs> Sorta. That just means he doesn't have extremely developed delts. That's that's all that comes from it. To Audra, the Hulk, <laughs> not so much. Right. Exactly. Thor. That's what I'm talking about. Like drooling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is That's this right. a color thing? Are only, you not into green? Only one of us can be drooling. <laughs> the Hulk drools already. So I, yeah, yeah I, I know. I can't throw any stones. I'm the same way in an underworld movie. You know, it's like <gasps> Kate Beckinsale comes out in that suit, and you're just like, I, I, I. <laughs> or in John Carter. You know, and I can't remember the guy's name. The guy who plays John. I'm just like, you know, the 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 plot could use some of this and that, but who cares really? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I know, I know. Oh, it's okay. You guys ready More for some news? 
And now, Galactic Water Cooler News, updates, upcoming stuff in general, and anything else we care to talk about during this segment. All right. First, I thought this was kind of cool, especially for this week, since we're talking about Thor. I um, can save this part of the conversation, but I, I was looking at some critical reviews of Thor because it occurred to me I hadn't read any. I just had my own ideas about it. And I thought, I wonder what other people said about this movie. And I was kind of surprised that, you know, it, it got OK reviews, but a lot of critics kind of. Missed the point. <laughs> missed the point. Yeah. I mean, I thought that the critics attacked it for things that didn't really make sense to criticize, you know, and I mean, I, I don't know. So uh, the guy who plays Loki, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston, yeah, just the other day wrote this piece for The Guardian, the uh, the British paper, and it's this defense of superhero movies. And the thing is, um, this is on Blaster, and uh, let me let me read a segment of it. Uh, Superhero movies tend to get picked on by critics who often berate them as mindless summertime wasters and uh, even view comic books themselves as entertainment for little kids. Uh, But Tom Hiddleston, who plays the villainous Loki in Thor and the Avengers, has penned a passionate, highly literate defense of the superhero genre in the new issue of Guardian. Um, Hiddleston hardly fits the critic stereotype of some mouth mouth breather living in his mom's basement. The English actor is highly trained, went to Cambridge and studied at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And uh, you can read this online, um, but I just want to read one short thing from it because it's awesome. He writes, uh, superhero films offer a shared, faithless, modern mythology through which these truths can be explored. In our increasingly secular society with so many disparate gods and different faiths, superhero films present a unique canvas upon which our shared hopes, dreams, and apocalyptic nightmares can be projected and played out. I totally want to talk more about that when we get into Thor, because I have some things to add. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So, um, way to go, Tom Hiddleston, for standing up for the genre. And I was telling a student of mine who wants to go into art, actually, Sean, she wants to be um, like a studio artist doing like 3D modeling and and stuff like that, but but not, not graphic design, but actual like physical modeling. Yeah. And... She was like, I don't, I just don't understand. You know, my parents were not really happy when I told them I wanted to go into art. And, you know, I I feel like my, my high school every day on the announcements, they just talk about football and they never talk about the achievements of the art department. I told her that I think that what she's doing is awesome. And that when she goes to school, she's going to surround herself with people who agree. Yeah. Flip that. And then it'll be way better. (laughs) But I'm like, you know, for now it's kind of that way. And it always has been. And I told her about Philip Sidney's defense of poetry, you know, the defense of poesy where he writes about how poetry is not crap, no matter what people say. And this is like 500 years ago. And I'm like, people in the arts have always had to defend what they do because other people have always seen it as frivolous, you know? So I think that's cool. We got this. <laughs> we go from Sydney's defense of poesy to Hiddleston's defense of superhero. Hell yes. Cinema. And like I said, definitely we need to come back to this as soon as we get into Thor. Cause I, I think there's a lot more to say, especially in the context of Thor as a movie. Oh yeah. And, and I got one more. Can I link it in? Because it's an Avengers sure. news. This one's for you, Sean. Um, Axel bronze Avengers, triple X, a porn parody <laughs> coming in May. Um, May 8th, it'll be on video. Um, 
basically it's the Avengers, the regular, like all the same characters, except they finally found a reason to put more than one woman in the Avengers. Because apparently the sausage fest only works when it's not porn. <laughs> funny that. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's hilarious. If you look at the art, there are as many women as there are men. Yeah. Yeah. On the on the poster and they're featured prominently. So we we've got um you know of course Black Widow, but there's um the former pro Black wrestler Black Widow, the uh yeah, China is She-Hulk, I Yeah, think. China exactly yeah. is She-Hulk. She's a former pro wrestler, Chuck, and uh, Which is about as apropos as you pretty can much get, you know, I mean, the choice. Who else yeah. are you going to get for that? Yeah, we've also got um let's see who are the other female. Brooklyn Lee is a Black Widow. Lexi Swallows as Miss Marvel. Jenna Presley as Spider-Woman, Phoenix Marie as Sharon Carter, China as she Oh, I think there are more women in this. Um, yeah, there normally are in porn parodies. And Danny Cole as Scarlet Witch. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, there are actually several more women. So I'm looking at the poster here and it looks kind of like a, Widow, a regular movie. The Smurfette of the uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, of the what is it? I don't get it. Yeah, the oh, regular frick. Avengers stuff. Well, there's yeah, there's the a Smurfette of the Avengers. <laughs> She's she's more like the Smurfette of the Avengers movie, not the porn yeah, parody. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of sad. I mean, uh, it's just it's pretty sad when it, it it's cool to see it exposed that way. Huh? When you when you like literally hold these side by side and you see, okay, well here's one where we can we can fit this one woman in as a <laughs> but but wait if it's porn we got to have a bunch. No 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 wait. Yeah, but we we see women completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. We don't compartmentalize women. We Not see them all. as whole people. <laughs> Ouch. Speaking of whole. <laughs> seriously though, is Not it, touching that. Is Good it call. really, does it take that for them to realize that, oh, maybe we should put more women in here? Like, Maybe so. I don't know. I always thought they should have all women. Just, just, <laughs> just go completely the other way. Once again, the porn industry, you know, making everyone else look backwards while they progressively step forward in technology and social, social issues. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, the move, the official movie opens uh, May fourth, and then the porn parody will be out on video May eighth. Yeah, it's going to be a big weekend. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have a piece of news. It's not completely new, but it uh, old. But it, it's uh, it's something that I thought you would appreciate, Audra, especially, uh, which is that uh, they're releasing a version of Baldur's Gate for the iPad. Oh, that's awesome! Audra we used wow. to play yeah. that on what was it on the on the Xbox, Xbox the original yeah the original yeah. Xbox. I haven't seen Baldur's Gate in a while. That was a great game. We had a lot of fun playing that. I. I think I only played it like a couple of times. I didn't actually have it. I didn't. I, I had the follow on to that. No, yeah, the or, second one, what, yeah. the sequel. I can't remember what it was called. What it was called Baldur's yeah. Gate something. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it was it was fun because I mean it, it's definitely like a what do you call it a isometric like uh, is that what it's called where you look at them from above in the corner. Yeah. Um, like an isometric sort of D and D knockoff. You know, it uses D and D rules sort of. And it just does yeah, all the, you, you just wander around, it does all the calculations, all the dice rolling for you. I think there are like four people traveling together and we control two of them, but uh -huh. we have to stay on the same screen area. Otherwise we'll kind of right. push against the camera. And right. And, and, and when you attack, it's, you know, you have to be within physical range. And then when you, when you do it, you know, it actually does the dice rolling for you and you can see the little numbers. Fly oh yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And Very simple attacks. And oh yeah. Well, I always uh, used to be the archer, <laughs> my little one single arrow would fly across <laughs> and then you get like the triple arrow and. 
Yeah, it was. We had so much fun playing it, though. Uh, there's this really funny time where I think I can't remember if it was in Baldur's Gate or the second one. I think it was the first one where you had the orb that you at one point. <laughs> yeah, our famous orb story. Yeah, where okay, that was so, my fault. So there was this orb in a room, and what would happen? It just is, looks like is, a crystal ball on a pedestal in the middle of the cave. Totally, you know? and every so often the orb would like would like glow and then there would be this it would raise this wave of skeletons that would attack you and you'd kill all the skeletons and then it would it would go again and more skeletons would it was come standard D&D stuff so you have right. to kill the orb to stop the skeletons from spawning yeah, we didn't figure that out right away. You did, actually. Well, after like 20 minutes of killing all the skeletons. <laughs> Chuck's like, this isn't working. Chuck's like, we should kill the orb. And I was like, no, I don't think so, you know, because it, it just doesn't make sense. So I then we go up and we, we just hit need to the keep orb killing the skeletons. and nothing happens because it turns out you can only do it while it's glowing, right? So we go back to killing the skeletons for like an hour or something. And then finally <laughs> oh, it's like... It was. God. It was like an hour. Your character's supposed to be like level 7,000. It actually worked out. <laughs> we I was had so say. much money. Because <laughs> like they'd all drop like a little bit each. Time. They all drop like three pennies out of their butt as they died. Yeah, I don't know where these skeletons are like are getting this gold. Bone? I mean, what <laughs> yeah. do they do? I imagine the poor skeleton like working at some skeleton factory all day and then getting its gold. You Get know, here's your pittance. Trying to put it in its pocket and having it like fall Let's through. Buy some you know? skin. There you yeah. go. The coin pouch connected to the <laughs> pelvic bone. <laughs> yeah. Except they would. So we had killed so many. My, there was like I don't know. There was like enough gold to buy the whole freaking world on the ground when we got done it worked out pretty well but and after like an hour chuck's like are you sure we shouldn't kill the orb and i'm like i guess we could try your stupid idea and we go up and we're like whack 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 and then it just explodes and we move on to the next level and i was like damn it my bad <laughs> so the news says that they're gonna um they're gonna use the uh uh the company is overhaul games and they're gonna use the ipad controls uh, specifically, they're going to do some kind of cool things like you can pinch to zoom in and out and you can drag uh, to use choose units to control and things like That's that. Cool. And uh, it's supposed to be like under 10 bucks. And uh, other news says that they're talking about um, including a multiplayer function of some sort, which may be like networking between the two or something where you can two of you can play and play together, which would be awesome. Audra and I would totally do that. You know? Orb scene coming yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Screw you, Orb. <laughs> Two iPads, one Orb. Who will come out victorious? But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I, I think this is awesome. And and that would totally get me playing games on, on the iPad, I think. Nice. You know what's cool uh, that you mentioned Baldur, um, or Baldur's Gate, you know, because Baldur, I was reading, you know, uh, as we were watching Thor, I was kind of doing some research and uh, reading about the original Norse god Thor and all the kind of history of how he came about. And Baldur was the name of Thor's half-brother. I don't I don't know if Loki was not his half-brother, but I, I'm not sure that he was. Well, you got Thor, Loki, Baldur. <laughs> <laughs> you got the crap into the stick on the naming convention. One of these things yeah, it is was, not like the other. <laughs> it was Baldrick, but they shortened it. <laughs> Good news, Baldrick's the mommy posing knows. pouch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of new technology, older style games, have you heard uh, what Penny Arcade's doing? What's that? They're doing, uh, and they just uh, debuted, I think, at PAX East for the demo and everything. That, uh, they have their, their gaming stuff, and I'm not actually big on their, their game, the uh, Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness. Right. Uh, and uh, they they had the first one, then they had the second one, and I had actually downloaded the second one and hated it. Yeah. And uh, they 
the third one they're doing, this is the the idea that they had the whole time, but nobody was doing this. They wanted to do an old, uh, like, 16-bit style uh, RPG. Oh, okay. That had, like, old Dungeons & Dragons rules, and you could you could build it like that. But, I mean, it's so expensive and so huge to do that. I mean, you're when you do the, the new style, I mean, it's like undertaking freaking Final Fantasy now. I yeah. Mean, to, to get any kind of traction in that, yeah. it has to be a huge undertaking. Well, to do an 8- or 16-bit version, almost nothing. Yeah, you know, because the graphics are, I mean, not you, bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. You you can do them pretty quickly, all that stuff, and then you just design their the game engine, and it's fine. Well, that's what they're doing. So, uh, it's like going backwards. It it went up a level and then down ten. You know, as far as uh, visual representation, but as far as game complexity, it's going up way up. So uh, you'll have uh, all the different items and leveling and everything like you would in an old style RPG. Nice. Which, it's super cool. Uh, it, it. I looked at it. I actually thought I would do that, and it's for uh, Xbox and stuff, so you can download it on any of the major stuff. For what it's worth, and I can't remember all of the proper names and everything, but I really remember when they released. Was it the XNA platform? Is that right? I don't. Know. I might be wrong. I can't remember. But Microsoft. I, I was a. You know, I, I was in the developer group at that time. Anyway, they 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 released the tools to develop for the downloadable live games mm, yeah and essentially what they did is they made a toolkit available that makes it much 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 easier this that sound by the way for the uninitiated Damn this it. is awesome with sean dropping his weeble <laughs> which is an important, no, it. normally it's secret but i just thought it was well, you know give the insider baseball thing you going on my here. weeble but no i mean they it, it really kind of went unnoticed for a little bit because they they just were like okay well you can develop games for the xbox within this kind of sandbox yeah. and and uh, they deploy via live and all that. And it's kind of like an app store and everything. And, and they had it all figured out. And a lot of people scoffed at it and were like, well, you can't develop real games with that and so on. And then people have gone off and done quite well developing these games that use older technology-ish, uh, simplified now in this developer's kit. But but focusing on the the uh, what the game is instead of the technology what the game, the game like. uses. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, if you've ever downloaded fun stuff from live, and I know I have, I've downloaded a couple things, you know, everything from like the original Tron arcade game, because I just wanted to play it and I didn't want to bother firing up MAME and everything. Right. And uh, to, you know, some of the, some of the kind of custom created ones that individuals have built and small companies have built. I think it's a great idea. And I think for the iPad, it's even more the case. I think that if they were to simplify that, uh, the way they did, the way Microsoft did, if Apple were to do that for the iPad and the and the iPhone, I think it would be amazing. Like, literally, I, I think that both are underutilized as gaming platforms. Uh, they're much more capable than devices, yet... The funny thing is, is everybody's trying to build like crisis on the, on the iPad, you know, and it melts the thing and everything. Right. And in reality... Because of the form factor, we're willing to... We think of them more like a Game Boy than we do an Xbox, you know? And you could actually... Just the idea of saying, if they were to put a kit together and be like, hey, here's a kit that you can use where we've built some of the common functions and everything, and it's much easier for you to go ahead and just develop something that's sort of like early 60... Like you said, 16-bit games. That's the perfect crossover point. Yeah. It's not... They're not blocky and fuggly, but they're not modern either, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't need graphics acceleration hardware right, to, to, right. to Absolutely. deal with it, you know? You know, they are not... Blugly. Three, <laughs> yeah, blug... <laughs> what? Blugly. 
Yeah. Bluggly. That's that's nice. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, for eight yeah. bit games. Bluggly. Bluggly. <laughs> but uh, coined yeah. a term. And it is. And people try and do the like you're saying the crisis thing. Which, by the way, I have like the new uh, slimline Xbox, the the Halo edition, right? Yeah, it's sweet. I downloaded Crisis and as the uh, you know live and it red ringed instantly. No, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> no, but it worked as hard and the fan hit as hard like, as it did with Mass Effect. You're like, you know, at the time Mass Effect two, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And Ma- Crisis is old. Yeah, you know, and it still made the Xbox, which is work. actually worse because yeah. they were less. It's not adept, optimized. Yeah. yeah, at optimizing the concepts. Like, so. The fan. I'm like, oh no, crap. that's got to go. Know? You know, I think it's, it, this is probably more modern geek territory. Maybe I'll take it over there soon. But, you know, I, it's worth mentioning that just because your hardware can do something doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. Yeah. I think a lot of times, yeah, you can take that either way. Uh, <laughs> just because we can do a thing does not mean we should do that, that thing. thing. It's true. I mean, you know people laugh about they say well if if i should if i can run it on it should be able to run on it forever and not hurt it and you're like yeah it doesn't work that way you know it doesn't work that way why the hell is your computer (laughs) if you drive your car you know 100 miles an hour down the tollway every day um you know it wears out faster (laughs) i don't know anything about i I don't know anything about that but you know that's what happens. Same yeah. Apple hardware is especially kind of and gaming hardware. Yeah, I just what made power, me think yeah, of it. Yeah, I nuked a uh, power supply with SETI at home. Well, you can. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was super easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you any equipment, if you run it long term under high load, yeah. and and stuff that's designed to be pretty and fit like in an environment, meaning small cases and that sort of thing, it's going to be worse. Like 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 all Apple hardware because it's so small and everything. And uh, and game consoles and so on. They're just not going to handle it. So you do have to keep in mind that, you know, some things are going to kill them faster than others. Yeah, but. I mean, yeah, the, the hardcore gaming computer that's built like a dump truck is probably going yeah. to, to be a little bit hardier than yeah. your slimline little... Not surprising. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go figure. Also, 300 bucks versus 3000 You know, yeah. funny that. Let's... let's Think about that. <laughs> what are you buying there? <laughs> but I think it would be great if if Apple released a separate game development kit and just made it easy to to develop a a sixteen bit style game for for iOS and then dump it right into the App Store. That oh, would that be itself. badass. It did totally so. I mean, you, the stuff you could do off the and you're seeing it come out with the Xbox. A lot of the Xbox Live Arcade stuff are games like i mean shannon plays the yeah. hell out of like Tetris and Bejeweled and and stuff like that. And are they hard to do? No, but they work fine. Yeah, and you can you can execute your concept from start to finish. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, it's super easy. So uh, she also plays uh, what is it? Um, Contra. I hate that. Oh, Contra. I hate that. Do the thing, Audrey. Oh, that was oh, Altered uh, Beast. No, no. Uh, oh yeah, Altered Beast. Welcome to your doom. Yeah, Contra. Not Contra, is, but, <laughs> but Contra is similar because you have like the the it, it looks similar and they yeah, you fire it's, and so it's a scroller like yeah that. it's a scroller and it's got the different uh, fire patterns and everything like that. She she that's what it. always makes me mix them up. You know, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Altered Beast is cooler, I think, than Contra, but but it was Altered a little Beast. bit more advanced game. I mean, that was for Altered Beast was for Sega Genesis. Contra yeah, was Al- Al- Altered Beast was was pretty cool. Contra was very frustrating to me because I I'm not a side scroller action type person in my my timing is all built for fighting games not side scrolling <laughs> so you know you're, you're doing this stuff and I'm trying to use well Tekken timing and it's not working and I just wind up falling into well Contra used that weird side scrolling platforming yeah where you had to like 
you know, jump up on things and it would always privilege jumping up. Like if you, if you jumped up, you would always hit the highest platform and stick on it. But if you jumped down, you would fall through or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you had to hold down the down on the D pad oh, yeah, to jump down <laughs> anything. But if you jumped up, it would just assume. So yeah. you had to like figure out how the computer thought about it you suck, to even play. You? Yeah, it was. Uh. <laughs> Speaking of playing of gaming though, Audra and I did finally get to start uh, Mass Effect 3. Oh, yeah, yeah well, well, we did. I mean, we basically decided that it would just be forever. I mean, we're like, well, we can't play it until we finish Mass Effect 2. And I finished, finally, but Audra hasn't. I haven't. And so Chuck was just like, you know what? Let's just create a new character together in Mass Effect 3 and just enjoy the story. And then we can go back and do all that other stuff later. But I don't want to miss out. And I just like to say right like, now that's a great the, idea. the default redhead is cute as hell. Well, yeah, that's the one that they... They did all the the stuff on, yeah. You know, for the awesome, yeah. yeah, she is awesome. We actually went with like the default. default, and we're like, I'm like, let's she just looks use great, that. Yeah. <laughs> wow, she's hot. <laughs> God, her voice. I mean, Jennifer Hale's voice with oh, her is I can just see that. amazing. Yeah. I can't. This play is my with... first time to get to hear really, yeah, the female voice a lot, and boy, it's really great. Yeah, she's so That's emotive. Cool. I can't play with the. I like the, the guy voice. anymore. I think it's cool. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I. Once you hear Jennifer Hale, I I didn't want to go back. I just <laughs> I, I really cannot didn't. get over I how agree. much she can convey it with the way that she says something. She does. You know? She is way more emotive and uh, than the male voice. Like she tends to do. She'll say things that convey. I just convey a lot more meaning. That's it. I yeah, guess. Yeah, like when she asks, you know, someone how how they're doing or whatever, the way that she says it, she can be like how you holding up and, and she'll kind of drop the tone of her voice and get this almost kind of huskiness. And it's like, there's this sensitivity there, you know, and, but she doesn't always use that. And you can, I don't know. It's just, I'm always impressed. You know, when you see Shepard persuade people who seem that they cannot be persuaded, that is the most fun. Jennifer mm-hmm. Hale sells you on it. You're like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. It, she really does. Uh, what, what part of you guys too now? Oh, we're, we're real still early, really yeah. early on. Yeah, we just um, started. I mean, I've got like eleven hours in, but I've done. Um, I mean, you're, well, I mean, we're both playing together. You're but... off Earth. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, we um, we have been mainly done around side the Citadel missions, doing doing the picking up the oh, stuff from a, the Citadel. There's yeah. a ton of Citadel missions. Yeah, ton in this. We game. just ventured out a little bit right now. Like, the the team last night. Yeah, the team is. Um, Garrus, Liara, James, and Edie in her in her body, and uh, Edie is entertaining as hell. She yeah. is awesome. We've we've been having a conversation about her love life. Are you persuading and, her for pro or con, Jeff? We haven't uh, really had there much yet. opportunity. Yeah, we just to started yet. talking about oh, okay. it. Okay. Though I have to admit, it was really sad when when we ran into her. Uh, you know, on, on the, the presidium, presidium yeah. and and she's like, "This is how the Krogans must feel." Oh yeah, because I mean, yeah, on comment, one level, yeah. it seems like a joke about about pro- a joke about sex. But I think you know, I'm like, is she sad that she can't reproduce? You know, and that's kind of sad. You know, yeah. I I won't spoil anything yeah. for you, but you can alter that situation. I'm not surprised. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting, but yeah. but uh, yeah, there's the- we uh, we rescued the students from Grissom Academy and um, have so you met Jack. Some- is is that Grissom Academy or is that the other one? That's the other one. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't know Jack was in the game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jack. Well, no. every, everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Cool. We have met game. Miranda. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, yeah it's weird yeah. for me seeing Caden. 
<laughs> it's like, weird for me to. Every time you kill we made, on the we screen, made the I'm like, decision at the beginning. Oh, yeah. When you start, if you start with a new character, it's like you know you have to make decisions yeah, we about what your past was and and who who got killed at this. I'm like, that's probably better. Let's go ahead. <laughs> he said it. It was like who got killed, Ashley or Caden? And I looked at him like, which one do you want to? go? And he's like, Ashley. <laughs> I was like, are I'm you like, sure? You know, you're used to. I was thinking that you were used to Caden being around. I was, and, but I and didn't want to. Like, and it's probably better in the long run. I mean, for and and racist. <laughs> you know, yeah, because she is, and I'm like, yeah. I I had Caden from the uh, the character I put through three was the one I'd taken all the way through right. one, uh, so it was my original one. And Ashley has not been a part of that, so it, it wasn't a big deal. But Caden turns out to be pretty cool. Yeah, um, he's boring but pretty cool. Yeah. Which seemed more useful in this kind of situation. So I'm like, let's do that. But still, every time he pops up on the screen, I'm like, who is that? You know, you know what's (laughs) weird is that Caden was supposed to be like, when I played Mass Effect one, he was my character's love interest, but I have never, I've never really played a game where I was actually like, really attracted to the character, you know, because I always saw them. Okay. This person is supposed to be considered attractive. I see that, you know, right. Until James. (laughs) <laughs> there was a scene the other night i think you, you might have fallen women asleep don't like big dudes well <laughs> i took my character down to the uh the lower level of uh purgatory uh-huh. in the bar he's like what's up lola yeah <laughs> and i was like man he is fine for a video game <laughs> and you know he's so like i don't know there are things about him that i just want to be like no no you know he's he's like cocky and he's kind of a i don't know this and that. And then, and then he starts giggly. talking. I know. And then he's like, hey, Lola. And I'm just like, <laughs> she's like, Lola, huh? I like that. Yeah. like, well, I yes, hang out more Lola. <laughs> How many responses can we get out of him? Can we have sex now? Yeah. I mean, his back is insanely big. I mean, it looks almost inhumanly big but still it was those twenty-two thousand pull-ups he did in that one scene when you took a while to figure out what you wanted to say <laughs> remember that in the beginning you're like holy crap that's why his back's big he literally he literally he waits for you lifted the world in pull-ups he waits for you to talk that's why he, he waits for you to talk you know oh, what are all my options here you just keep pulling up yeah i i don't know and, and I, i'm doing kind of a push-pull thing with him like where um I, I had Shepard. Very exciting like, for me. She she flirted with him a little, but when he said something, she kind of like she did the, uh, you know, hey there, soldier or whatever. Like because I didn't want her to be like a total, just like giggling school oh, girl. Man. My Shepard, when when she met the new uh, Kelly Chambers, man, she became a total hoe bag. <laughs> it was, it was I like how he talks about she like she like he wasn't in charge or anything. <laughs> yeah. Was, well, you know, she she made command decisions. Uh, but I didn't even know I'm only could... in charge of executive functions. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I didn't even know you could save Kelly. I, I didn't uh, even know it was Kelly? an option. <laughs> just like, it's your secretary in two. It's your your oh. admin in two. Oh yeah, sure. I remember her. Well, in mine, she died, and I didn't know you could because I went back to save some other people. But I didn't know you could save Kelly too. Yeah, you can. I did in my. I didn't. You know, so I, I waited till the end, and of course, Kelly's like the first in line to be processed at the collector base, and too. And I'm like, well, screw that. I ain't going back a third time for her. She ain't worth that. And then, uh, but in this one, you get a new one, and she's like, uber hot. A new Kelly. Yeah, you get the 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 new Kelly. So you don't have trainer then as your personal assistant. 
or you do, but yeah, you I, also you have do, Kelly. But in the Kelly game. can live. Oh, okay. In yeah. the in the second one, uh, and she can be around in the third one, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I saw I was like, wow, trainer's hot. Shannon's like, yeah, trainer is hot. Can you frack her? I'm like, I don't know, but we're gonna find out. You know, because Liara is all like, uh, like super death. Business now. oriented now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she she wasn't moving near fast enough for me in three, so I like ditched Liara. Liara's <laughs> <laughs> like, you okay, Jack? <laughs> you know there there's a universe to save in this game as well. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I already did that. That's fine. <laughs> Chuck's like, I want to play the game. We're like, who can you screw? <laughs> Pretty much. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> we started playing the game in the uh, the story mode where it, it focuses on story and minimizes the combat. Yeah, so just because we didn't have a lot of time and we it's really awesome wanted that to you have. can choose and that you can change at any time. You know, yeah. Because we're. I mean, the combat scenes are fun, and my characters. Really our characters are biotic, but we really wanted to play RPG. But it's like, man. I mean, we knew we didn't have time, so. I was at first very against the changes that they made to the combat system, but then I found out that you could use the old style yeah. as well. Nice. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. You know, it works out great. And there's there's just a ton, a ton of of <laughs> content and battles and weapons. And I had a stuff. funny moment that you would appreciate. So I, we were playing kind of way. Aldra was playing and I, I was I was contributing, you know. And I had fallen asleep, and I woke up at one point, and I look, and and she has, she's she's fighting, and and in her crew is I, Liara, and I I see Liara shooting somebody, and I'm like, with a gun, man, we really need to level up. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're like, Liara's using a gun. Yeah, we need to we level really up. Need to level up. <laughs> this is not gonna work. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, holy for, crap! It was great because towards the end, you know, my brother who uh, has not done three. Uh, came over and and uh we're in this middle of this it was the end run battle and uh we're doing some stuff and uh, i won't spoil anything because you run into them throughout the game but there's this giant thing and you run into them in two too called the harvester yeah sure big dragon looking thing you know and it's it's me i mean you run into them the beginning of three and it's just just giant deal and uh, Scott's like, oh man, we're screwed. I'm like, no, we're not. Watch this. Who have I got with me? Let's it's see. just a 23 foot tall farmer. With <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, uh, I have Garrus and James with me, and it, they're a wrecking crew, especially with my biotics. So you know, you you throw a grenade. Garrus does his thing. I do my thing, and then by that time, my my stuff is rotated yeah. to a point, so I can go, and then he can go, and then he can go. And it was in the span of three seconds, and it just explodes. Well, it was a it, there was a funny moment where Audra was playing because Audra hasn't played a biotic before. Yeah, they're, I was always uh, cool. like it the was, I know, I know, it was great. And Audra's sitting there right at the very beginning, and she's like shooting, and I'm like, "What are you doing? You know, <laughs> we're, what are you doing with that gun? I bet we have something right now. Look, and we're like, we already have warp, warp and, throw, and we, something we, else. yeah, we have warp singularity. throw and singularity at a low You're level. Good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, throw a singularity and warp. I'm and like, she's like, Shh, boom, pop. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. That oh. was that was really awesome. I keep having to remind her. I keep having to remind her. I'm like, put the gun away. <laughs> you know what you well, can. Well, I only but, carry one gun now. It's just that little light yeah. pistol on the right. And that's right. all probably we're ever gonna carry. Yeah. All I carried the entire time was a, a maxed out pistol. Yeah. And the, the more you can upgrade your pistol, it's worth it and everything. Because it gets lighter. Yeah, it gets lighter, and then 
then you're good. But I ran about 180 on my uh, character as far as the recharge rate nice. the entire time. And you never run out of biotics. Yeah. You just don't. You just don't. That is awesome. That that would be a big difference I'm in the game you. if you if it was like the other games where you had to have like the, the blue vials. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Screw that. There are you only just, so many blue vials. Warp, warp, warp. Warp singularity, throw warp warp. <laughs> you know, you just—it yeah. doesn't matter. You know, you yeah, I'm like, if you're shooting, out. things are really bad. That's what I when I woke up and I saw you shooting. I'm like, uh oh, you know, because normally if you start shooting as a biotic, you screwed up. You're like, you ran out of everything else and you're in trouble. So you pull out your old pop gun and do what well, you can. Well, it's cool because on, on missions, I get all these like weapon upgrades as like little treasure chest prizes and stuff, and I can either you know give them all to the team and then whatever's left over I can sell. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I sold almost everything. Because Garrus never left my side the entire time. I mean, there was almost no mission where Garrus was not with me. In fact, I don't think there was a mission where Garrus was not with me. Because they just keep upgrading him. And it's great. So I, I, I'm glad you guys are playing it. It'll be cool. I'm, I, I, I'm not talking about story just because I don't want to yeah. spoil you on anything yet. So. But yeah, it's it's wonderfully balanced. Don't listen to people who tell you the ending sucks. It doesn't. Oh no, I'm I'm down. It'll be interesting. So there's this room at work that um, we've always kind of called the lunch room or the mail room or whatever, and uh, uh, you know word has kind of gotten around that the administration doesn't really like it when we refer to it as the the lunch room because it has a name. So I went up and I looked at the nameplate like on Jeff? it. Yeah, it's called yeah Steve. It's called uh, the Collaborative Instruction Center, and I'm like the CIC. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. This is where I want You know what you got to do? You got to start. Monday through Friday. You, should, you, you start getting everybody call it the CIC. You should start it. I know, I know. Like, just say it every time you're around people for like to. weeks until. You, I did the other day. I started that the other day. She's planting the seed. Yeah. yeah. It's in the CIC. Hey, so one last piece of news. Um, Brian Fuller, who has worked on a number of Star Trek projects. And uh, anyway, he is. Uh, he, he is again kind of spreading word that he would like to see a star trek tv series after the 2013 sequel yeah i saw some yeah. some rumor and i know this that. is just rumor i mean but i think i think there i'm starting to feel like there might be something to that happening you know i think that not having it on tv for a little bit was probably i i know this is sacrilege but a good thing you know and I think that the movie has definitely created a new environment and a new sort of... A new fan base, I think. A new interest, yeah. And, and, and expanded, you know, because I think there are surprisingly few, uh, you know, people from the original fan base that, that don't really enjoy the new one. It's not, a, it's, it's not a Star Wars thing. You know, with Star Wars, you almost have two very different fan bases. You know, you have one that for whose who's first movie is one and, and one whose first movie is four. And and now, but with Trek, it's not the case, you know? Yeah, with Star Wars, it's almost an alternate reality type of situation where it's like you have this thing and then that exists for you and then these others don't exist for you, you know, because you don't, because they're just evil or whatever. Well, I think but, there's like more of like the the people with the new one kind of see that Star, who's, who's, you know, whose Star Trek, I mean, whose Star Wars movie is one, right? I think those people tend to see the originals as okay, but kind of not as meant for them. Yeah. Whereas I think the people from the original one sort of see the one, two, and three as as crap in a lot of cases, you know, you know I, which is not. We had said, or, or I guess you had talked before about how um, the different franchises, like GWC, has never, I think, you know, favored 
Star Trek or Star Wars. We've always been like, we love both. You yeah. Know? We like trying to choose between your left and right arm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we've talked before about how the difference in like the expanded universe, yeah. like, uh, oh, yeah. like Lucas's control over the Star Wars stories. And then, you know, Star Trek has never had that kind of, kind of, uh, singular yeah. it's got to be under yeah. all this yeah i mean roddenberry had a vision that that was kind of spread out and adopted by a number of different people in a number of different ways so i think that trek fans have always usually had one series and one captain that they liked best but i think they've always been a little bit more used to different adaptations and maybe a little bit more accepting of different adaptations maybe you know we had a really interesting discussion in class which i am not prepared to bring enough to in this which is sad uh, because it's just a kind of a new exposure to me uh, but we were actually talking about uh, film as digital text objects you know and we were looking at uh, we we read a really interesting piece on adaptation that was had broken down like into seven different modes of adaptation and 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 how things work like there was the there was this this like the psychic approach they called it which was like no 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 this is cool it makes sense when you think about it. like which is the idea that that there you say this all the time you just don't have a name for it but like you're like the spirit of the original no i That's, actually know what you're talking about oh yeah yeah no, yeah, I, yeah you know and there were all these different ones and 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 then different you know ones where you have the 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 uh uh you know that the original is is uh you know a that that you're well anyway there are a bunch of them but what was really interesting is how a lot of these tend to the the differences between fans and fan communities often tend to be that they favor one approach over the other you know and and it brought up a really interesting discussion in class uh the few of you who uh who who follow the the digital text uh hashtag when i'm in class which is funny uh, you'll note the one where i mentioned that i started I started, well, you can read it. Anyway, um, there was a, the discussion kind of centered on how in, in, in fan bases, a lot of times you'll have a situation where fans will make a connection to a, a piece of work, you know, uh, and then, and then later on there will be an adaptation of it and fans, a new, you know, group of fans will, will connect to that as they're what they've seen first. And when you become a fan of something, you sort of internalize it, you know, and you, you, you see it in That's ways. your stuff now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you connect to it. And, uh, this came up in terms of hunger games because a lot of people had read the book first and, and saw it as this social criticism, you know, and connected to that as this, you know, criticism of consumerism. Right. And then, and then the movie comes along and the movie was cleaned up a lot. The vibe wasn't near as violent. And, you know, it, there were people who just saw the movie to hadn't read the book and, and connected with it as well, you know, in a different way though, instead of seeing it as much as, as that, it was like, you know, they, they got different things from it. And there's nothing wrong with either approach. Either. Right. And that's yeah. the trick is when you back up, it's easy to say, you know, okay, well, both of these are valid, you know? But but it's funny that the very few people take it that way. Like you have a lot of people that were just kind of screaming. It's it, they they eviscerated the movie. And look, I will be the first to say I'm guilty of this. My, you know, my almost everyone is. Yeah. Well, like again with Starship Troopers, that yeah. was the one that got me. You know, because I connected with the book in a way where I saw it as a. It's ironically, it's very similar. I saw it as a social criticism, right? And then they made this movie that was kind of just cheesy and funny out of it. People connected with that movie because it was cheesy and funny in a very original way, right? <laughs> and and all of a sudden, you know, it, it pissed me off. Well, come on. You know, when it comes down to it, 
they are both valid pieces of art. They're just different, you know? I will hold that the the movie that was produced with, in the case of Starship Troopers, which I have read both the book and seen the movie sure. now, I can kind of see your point on that one. But uh, it's not it's any valid less of an, ex- or you know, any less valid of an expression, but it ain't exactly the same either. Yeah, well, and as as Audrey pointed out when I when this we had this kind of discussion, she pointed out that that doesn't mean that they're both good either. It means right. that yeah, that's it can what be I misunderstood at first. But when you were saying that, I, I misunderstood because I thought you were trying to say that they deserve the same kind of like they deserve to be treated as though they're the same quality. And I realize what you're saying is that as artworks, the novel, the movie, whatever, deserve to be judged on their own merit. Well, yeah, as, as their own to, entities, as, right. You know, as opposed to, yeah. uh, you, you know, this has to live up to this. Because you know, it's not that. They're different expressions. Right. So the yeah. film, if the film has a problem, it should be a problem that it has on its own merit, as opposed to it's a problem because it doesn't live up to the book or it doesn't copy or the, the book story or, or something. should be this. Right. You know? Yeah. The the one that caught me like that was Final Fantasy. Right. Uh, the movie. Right. Right. One, you know, and I we all have threw it, a wall-eyed you know? fit, you know, and, and looking back now, I actually like the the first one in hindsight what it comes down to a lot is that you connect to it and you really want to see an expression of what you connected to and that's what you want out of that movie and the truth is is that uh and and i think it's important to note that if you make a decision as a person who is adapting something a piece of work if you do go in a different direction like that it it is possible that you know you're going to disappoint a whole lot of people who connected to the original and wanted to see uh, an expression of that connection yeah that's actually the next thing i was going to say is that you know even though we should judge things individually on their own merit you know when you market something as a, a you know film version of a novel or something then you you are placing that expectation that was actually a discussion that came up in class you would appreciate this because, mm-hmm. uh, and I forget who it was in class. I feel horrible. I'm going to someone class, but, uh, but made the point. It's not fair though, because they marketed it as hunger games and people came to see it because they heard hunger games was good. So it's not fair. And you're like, I, I'm not, I see the point, but I'm, I'm not, not sure I entirely buy it. But see, I'm not saying it's not fair. I'm saying that as someone who is, you know, making a product of art that you intend to market, that you should be aware that people do react that way. I'm not saying that yes. they should react that way, but that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, racism or something. You know, I'm not saying racism is good, but if you're going to say something, you should be aware that people are, may react to it in a certain way or, or people may have certain reactions that you might not expect or whatever. Well, and sometimes it can be difficult because in some, time, or in some occasions, uh, like with the... Uh, Harry Potter, for example, right? Those were real close to the book, real close, and the expression was very similar. They weren't word for word and all that, but the the overall tone was very similar. From well, wasn't the movie J.K. Rowling like on set? Yeah. For those? Oh yeah. No, but see, and in some cases, that's what people expect. Right. Right there. On others, it's an adaptation, or it's loosely based on, or any, and you can get any kind of gambit in between. So unless you know what you're getting. You got to be careful. Harry with it. Potter is very much like the 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 psychic adaptation. You know, it's yeah. like it's they're trying to use the different affordances to create the same yeah. piece of art as much as possible. Which is, know? I think, what a lot of people expect when they say they're making this into a movie. They expect that level of both commitment and uh, strict guiding of of the original text. And 
in some cases that won't work for an adaptation and some they just don't care to, or you know just don't care to do that should really put a little segment together or something when I get a chance because some of these different uh, different types you can see are really the core of the reboot and the core of of the modern remake and things like that you know because in a lot of cases you'll have uh, something that that works in its time frame but later on does not and the, that's that's really you know how the remake works good remakes often take something and recreate it to fit into a, a different time frame you know and even if it's set where it was a lot of times the update makes it interpretable you know the uh, I, I was just thinking that word remake you know we focus too much on the re and not enough on the make <laughs> maybe sometimes yeah I mean, it is a making of its own that's what i'm yeah, no, I'm with you. That's that's actually really cool. Anyway. I have one more quick thing. Um, Hit it. Uh, last week I said that I couldn't get through Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> um, I did. Uh, it oh, was, yeah? Yeah, it was... Uh, I had nothing else in the truck, to be honest. That's the only reason I really continued past oh, what it was. And you, know, uh, you could call. <laughs> I know, I know, and I was like, "Oh crap!" I Bring me a book this. is a very reasonable request. Okay, that's something I think we all understand. <laughs> An audiobook, is it? Anything? Yeah, and uh, well, and I just I stole Deerskin from Robin McKinley, who's uh, my favorite author. Nice. I read uh, uh, Hero on the Crown and Blue Sword. Well, we were setting Chuck's shelves up the other day, and uh, I, I noticed he had a Robin McKinley book, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm going to steal this." He's like, "Yeah, fine, whatever." And uh, it was Deerskin. I don't know if you guys have ever... Yeah, I'm the one that... Uh, oh, I, I haven't read it yet. I, I saw it and I picked it up because you recommended Robin McKinley. I'll bring it back. But oh, that's cool. It's, yeah. I, I'm like, ah! I, I, <laughs> I never read it, you know, because I couldn't find it. And it went out of print a couple of years ago and, and I just I couldn't find one. And uh, fantastic book for anybody who wants to do it. But I read that. I, I read the other one I stole from you. And I was out of Anita Blake books and crap it was the only thing i had in the truck so uh i finished girl with a dragon tattoo really good once you get past the uh the bad part the of early on yeah, yeah the ugly early on really really good so i have to i have to eat that this movie is so much fun I love Thor. <laughs> it's fun for me. <laughs> it's fun, period. It yeah. is fun, period. And honestly, there was a lot of naysaying when it was out in the theater for a while, and there was just this whole big I know it didn't mess. do as well. No, it didn't. And I, after I saw, and I, this is my fault. I I waited. Me too. Know, until it came out on. I saw it on video. On, yeah, I did too. Yeah. You know, I, I Netflixed it uh, back when I still had a disc Netflix. Sure. And I watched it with... A, with uh, admittedly low expectations, but I really liked it, and I this one I like better than Captain America, believe it or not. And this Captain America got the better reviews and better cash, and uh, everybody seemed to flip out about it more. But this one was more fun; it really was. You know, I I think that the more fun for me also, like I I agree. I think that part of that comes from the joy that Thor brings to the you know to the table. I mean, Chris Hemsworth has this like. I don't know. He just lights up the screen. And I don't mean just in the obvious like, oh, because he's hot. But he actually has this like sparkle in his eyes. And Thor just looks like he's enjoying himself all the time. Yeah. Audra pointed this out. And it was so cool when we were watching uh, most recently today when we were watching part of it. And and she's like, he just seems to 
have a joy for life in every single thing he does. And there's something, I think, to be learned there's from that. There's something infectious yeah. about that. You know, I mean, even his friends, like when they go and attack um, the frost giants and basically Thor's trying to take all these guys on himself. One of his friends has been really seriously wounded and they're, they're carrying him off. Thor does the thing where he like bashes his hammer into the ground and it causes that shock wave, sure. that kind of Lord of the Rings. And he, he comes very close <laughs> to killing his friends, you know, but they, the, uh, the damage kind of stays behind him as they're running. And the guy, the, the blonde short-haired blonde guy with the mustache i can't remember his name but he's the one being carried off and injured and he sees the the demon beast or whatever fall down into the pit and he laughs like thor and his friends are like that they're not mercurial in any way that's loki you know thor is just he's joyful even when he gets cast out even when like the worst thing that could possibly happen to him essentially happens he thinks his father's dead he thinks he's lost any chance of returning to where he has always known all his friends and family, even then he still has the zest for life to like, you know, just keep, you know, shoving down pancakes and and grinning and winking. And I don't know. I mean, there's something, you know what it is. People might think that is just kind of being like, Oh, he's dumb or whatever, but he's not, he's not, not. he's, he appreciates life in a way that, I want to learn more about. I was going to say, you know, I think one of the biggest limitations on each of us are our own doubts and, and, and fears, you know, FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, doubt. The thing that you, you, you get up each day and, and you could do X say in a day, right? But it ends up being X minus something because you spend a significant portion of the day, literally just worrying, like thinking about, the bad things that could happen or the bad things you've done in the past or or, yeah. yeah, Anxiety. And and then not only that, you're not only is time wasted with that, but, but potential as well, because you, you literally uh, remove part of your own potential because you know, you're so bogged down in this mess. And, and if each of us, and I know it's not really necessarily possible, certainly not as much as the fictional character does, but the way he just, wakes up each day you can tell and has a joy for life and is like well you know and throws himself literally in some cases into yes. everything yeah. he does fully you're I think like a, a great man. example of that is when they're in the cafe and uh you know the guys from the you know the local guys who saw the hammer come in and uh jane overhears them did you say there's a satellite and and thor's <laughs> like where where did you see this you know the guy's like 50 miles west of here and and he's he out thor's out the door starts already walking west. and he starts walking directly west right through traffic and everything <laughs> yeah. and again it's not that he's dumb it's that he is so focused singularly focused on his mission yeah and that can be a bad thing too you know? require a horse <laughs> yeah, they give me one All of those. All men are to ride. like, uh, you know, cats and dogs and birds. Will give me one big enough to ride. <laughs> but if you go back up to, uh, you know, reverse that and go back up to Asgard, where there was the uh, the scene where um, basically he's been uh, chastised for, you know, his his father has chastised him. But this is before he gets cast out, and he he flips over the banquet table, right? Right. This is a a display of why he's a pain in the butt. I mean, but it's at the same time, it's part of who he is, you know, that joy for life and that throw himself into whatever he's doing. He gets really angry and he flips over the entire banquet and then he's okay. Yeah. It's not always handy for everyone because let's face it, he makes mistakes. And, and I think that's what holds us back to some extent is we're like, well, I don't want to make any mistakes. And, and sometimes that's the case, you know, like 
my dad used to like to say, there are some mistakes you can only make once. So you kind of want to avoid those. But that said, I think most of us spend way too much time worrying about making a mistake where we could have made the mistake joyfully and learned from it and come out better quicker. Yeah. You know, by just doing it instead of sitting around worrying. The scene where he goes to find that, you know, he actually does find the hammer and he is so just certain that as soon as he touches it, it's going to bend to his will and that everything will be right again. Um, It's kind of like, no, you know, you've been cast out for a reason and you haven't learned that yet. And uh, he's so devastated that he just throws his head back and just howls into the air and, and um, he realizes he's not worthy. Right. And, and it's so, I don't know, it's, it's awesome. Cause it's like this visceral kind of cling on type howl and you can so relate. And yet again, you know, he's upset, but he's focused on fixing it. Well, yeah, most of us, I think would have at that point went off and felt sorry for ourselves for some period of time. You know, we would have like went around, laid around, played video games, you know, ate badly, felt, you know, felt crappy about ourselves. He doesn't. He just goes off and says, well, this is my life now. Okay, well, how do I make the most of what I got, you know? And and not to jump right to the end, but, you know, I think this very much is about, this movie is about Thor learning about himself and learning his place in the world. And, you know, in the beginning, you have this guy that just doesn't, is is even, you know, like he doesn't even, he's not even worried about his friends. And like when he comes back, uh, when he comes back the first time and, uh, you know, and he's talking to his father and his father points out, you know, yeah, you may be almost invincible, but your friends aren't, you know, and you could have gotten your friends killed over this thing that you didn't think through. Right. His his selfishness. And I mean, he was very self-centered. He didn't even think of his friends there. Right. He he likes his friends, but he doesn't appreciate them yet. And, and uh, you know, knowing that he doesn't have his power and knowing that he's probably going to die doing it, his first thought the next day, he's learned that lesson just as quickly as he as he gets mad. You know, he learned the lesson and, and here he is going to say his first reaction is, OK, you need to get everybody out of here. I can't really solve this, but I can I can help some of these people and I'm going to do that. You know? Yeah. He doesn't really understand a whole lot about compassion and and doing things that are selfless at the beginning of the movie not really Uh, but his father and this is kind of classic type thing you know his father decides okay i'm going to teach you a lesson and this is how i'm going to do it yep and the and this is the part that i've always kind of resented about these stories not not comic book stories or anything like that but about you know the the old time gods when they go out to teach somebody a lesson everybody else pays for it while you're learning (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know they've got this this town that's going to be half blown up and they got these people who are going to be terrorized and there there's all kinds of bad things happening you got Loki going on while his father is teaching him not to be a chode and he he does learn it and he learns it very quickly like you're saying um now there's i think a couple different reasons why he's accelerated along that path but uh for what it's worth in this one i think I agree in general in most of these stories that's the case. Yeah. I think in this one uh I don't think any of that destruction had to do with the lesson. I think it was entirely Loki. Well, and I think some of that is just the the blowback from you know he's he's the the king of gods and he's solving several problems with one solution. 
Hmm. Uh, he's outing his other son uh, and making sure that he gets, uh, he knows where he stands. Because that's the I way the guy ever it. wanted that. I get this. I sense. don't think he wanted it. I think when you're the king of the gods, you have to you have to take into account all the angles, which is what he's telling Thor at the beginning. You have to think about how this is going to affect everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I know what you're saying because, uh, and I actually think that there's like a common ground between what, what both you guys are saying because I don't think he wanted that. No, but not there's, at all. there's sort of a fatefulness about what he's doing, like when um, his wife. Uh, the Rene Russo's character says, you know, there's a, a purpose for everything that your father does. And I, I was thinking, like, why, if there's a purpose, why would he, you know, pass out and be, like, practically comatose, you know? But it, there's something about, like, the kind of Star Wars thing, like Obi-Wan going in, knowing that he's going to kind of sacrifice himself for... I, th- I think Odin's a lot um, cooler than Obi-Wan, but there's something kind of fateful about it like odin realizes he's done nothing except just try to prevent war over and over and over and war is upon them he can't stop that now so i i agree with chuck i don't think he's bringing the destruction but i think that he he's not stopping it either because he knows that that can't be how it works out he can't just intervene and make everything right yeah and have it just be that way he has to it's well, like Thor's going to have to step up, and he knows that. Yeah, like yeah. you're saying, he he's going to have to. His son is going to have to start taking the the responsibility that he's he needs to do. And there's no better way for him to do that than to learn what it is to lead, really lead, not yeah, go in and do battles, which and involves stuff. understanding things at a there's, deeper level than just fighting. There's loss. There's consequences. There's all kinds of things that you're going to have to do, and you need to learn this because he's the one he wants to to have do and you know at the beginning you know thor's very frustrated because why won't you let me do this why won't let you do you know do this and really because he doesn't understand yeah Uh, he doesn't understand the stakes the players or anything yeah if you think a king is about showing off and having fun then you know you're not quite ready yet yeah i i assumed and tell me if you guys read this differently but i assumed that that thor uh, that odin's plan was for his hope anyway uh, was was for Loki to eventually grow up and end up the king of the Frost Giants, and and that's for, what I got. And for that to you know for them to have a peaceful relationship because they understand each other. Yeah, and that's why most war happens, right? Is because we just don't yeah. culture, we just don't understand each other. You know, I think his plan was for you know with him down that Thor and Loki would figure things out and solve the situation and he would be back and then everybody would be cool. I don't think it was his plan for Loki to go and betray absolutely everybody and, you know, yeah. Yeah. I I don't get the sense that Odin is like the, the Christian concept of God, which is like this all, like he knows everything that has ever happened and ever will happen. I don't think it's like that. I think he trusted in Thor to figure things out in time for, things to be made better and for him to fix his first real situation and come back and, and deal with it. And that Loki and his mother and everybody else would help him through it. I don't think it was his, his deal for Loki to go and destroy the rainbow bridge and, and all things were, were bad you know, or well, destroy their connection right. to it and all that. So, um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's typical, like, 
super god plan. I'm going to teach you a lesson, and then crap goes crazy, and nothing <laughs> works out like anybody thought it would. I guess you know. I suppose in the in the boy in in you know in Greek mythology and everything in Norse mythology too, it definitely is is exactly like you're saying. Like they yeah. just literally don't care about about yeah. mortal beings. Mortal yeah. beings just get caught in the crossfire regularly. And in this one, he did. They do make the different. These are people. And yeah, and and he's it's like he's trying to make it work out for the best for everybody, which includes Earth. Yeah. You know, you what's know? what's interesting when I was reading, um, for, I mean, the Greek and Roman gods were famously, they would interact with humans, mate with humans, you know, forcibly sometimes. Um, but they were famously kind of, uh, you know, oblivious. They didn't really care what happened to humanity all that much. They right. used them kind of as pawns or toys or whatever. And the difference with the Norse gods, um, I was reading today, specifically Thor... This is so, uh, the, the researcher who wrote this book is kind of an academic book. He was comparing all the visions of Thor from uh, Iceland, where the first Norse versions of Thor show up, to Norway, to Germany, and then throughout Europe, and then other visions of Thor, even in the U.S., like comic Thor. The one thing that they all have in common, he said, is that Thor protects humanity humanity and that it, he considers it his mission to protect humans at all costs. So I thought that was really cool because that does make him stand out. He's always going to more than Odin. Yeah. Which is cool. And Thor is also supposed to be the most likable and like amiable, <laughs> like the person who gets along with everybody the most. That's awesome. That's but awesome. it was really cool. Cause I was, I was looking at the history and I, I didn't get a, a ton of research in, but the, the part that I read was kind of a, a preface to the the overall history, and it was saying that because Thor has been seen in so many different permutations, I guess, you know, he's been seen as like the god of thunder and the skies, um, and also different, like other smaller things like a fertility god, and I read about how that worked. It was, you know how when he explains to Jane, there are these realms, right? There are nine realms, right? and then there's Ragnarok, which is the end of the world. And then there's Yggdrasil, which is the big, the tree of life, essentially, that connects all the realms. And the nine realms are situated on three sort of platforms, like three uh, levels. But it's not three, three, and three. They're kind of differently numbered. And uh, anyway, as uh, Asgard and the, the people that we see in the movie... Um, are definitely like one of the most important group. That's the people that uh, Odin and Thor come from. And then there's another group of people, um, the the Vanins or Venins or something like that, who are fertility gods. And in, in Norse mythology, they end up being united underneath Thor's people. So Thor and Thor's mother and Thor's eventual wife, um, a whole bunch of these guys end up being identified with fertility as well because of that like cultural mixing. That's kind of cool, right? God's the fertility is my hammer. <laughs> Dude has a big hammer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool because uh, Loki is supposed to represent chaos, but he also is kind of a bad guy. Like he does bad things and he causes Thor's half brother Balder to be killed. Um, and Loki is half giant. Now they didn't say anything about frost giants, right? But but they are giants, and he's supposed to be um, 
I'm sorry, not half giant. He's uh, he's of the giant race, but he's supposed to be like small. I don't know. I can't remember if it's half or, or what. You know, like Odin said, small yeah. for a small in size for one of the frost giants. But um, so I think that they might have blended some of those aspects. Like I think the frost people and the giants were blended, and I think Loki and Balder were blended into the character because I don't think Loki is specifically. Mm, well, I don't want to go that far because I'm not. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be uh, Thor's half brother or not. But um, anyway, it, it's cool that the Norse gods do have more uh, kind of sympathetic interaction with people, especially Thor. And it kind of reminds me of uh, like Stargate SG One, where it's the Thor hologram or whatever who interacts most with the humans on Earth, and they go and they trust him and they speak to him, as opposed to any of the others. It kind of all fits. You know, we wait a minute. We got to talk for a second about the meow meow. I mean, that's 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 important. <laughs> I had a mouthful of tea. When you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny because the the idea of this guy standing there with this big hammer when you if you just saw a, a drawing of it or something, you're like, that is cheesy. It looks cheesy because yeah. you look at you're like Iron Man. Oh, he's got this badass suit. You know, it's odd. And you know, all these other people, they have these. You know awesome you know and then there's this hammer and you're like what's he gonna do you know yeah well you know this hammer has a couple of really interesting properties it's pretty much unstoppable that's actually whenever you have something that's that's so extreme that it's pretty much infinite that's that's freaky scary powerful right i mean when he puts this thing down if you're not worthy you can't move it period you know, you get the idea that if he wanted to, you know, stop the planet with it, he could do that. And what I guess what you stops know? him from being like all powerful is the checks and balances of the other gods, right? Right. Exactly. I mean, this thing is is a mondo piece of gear. And you it's so funny because you see the way it works with it. You know, like the first time you see him fly with it. That's just badass. <laughs> you think it would be stupid? It's not. It's badass. Yeah. You know, and it's it has some because you're at first when you see it, you're like, "What's he going to do? Hit me with his hammer? I'm going to step to the <laughs> side." You know, and you don't realize it's got AOE effects. <laughs> it can fly. It can you know. It can cause earthquakes. It can you know. It sort of just channels energy. It itself it's is not yeah. the worst thing <laughs> yeah. in the world is having him hit you with it. You know, <laughs> it's just not no. It's just, a it, yeah. Most of the time, a hammer is not a ranged weapon. This one it is. is. Yeah. God, when he when he throws it in the beginning in that battle where there's that huge kind of toothy beast he goes right through it and he just throws it and it goes through the back of its throat and then it like collapses and you can see through its head you're like damn if the hammer arrives on the scene panic all right this is you are on the other side of the hammer panic there was that army and then there was thor with the hammer guess what (laughs) (laughs) well which is kind of ridiculous because you look at the avengers movie it's like okay hulk unlimited strength i mean the dude can can stop a planet if he wants to thor the hammer is is quite mighty. Uh, you got Iron Man, who is actually a step down from everybody else. From everybody yeah. else, you know, and, and then you you kind of go around the list, and then you get to Black Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah, <laughs> the bow, the bow, and the, gun. <laughs> and the gun. You know, I, I wasn't kidding. You know, you brought a gun to a god fight. It's, <laughs> it's true. It's, you got a gun. You need to level up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, you just you're just like. 
how are they helpful again? You know what, though? And this is. Oh, wait, a- no, she's got smoke pellets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Shark repellent. You know what, though? Shark repellent. <laughs> Bad shark repellent? But but seriously, you know, this is a great time to bring this up. We were talking this morning, and, and what one of the things that makes the Thor movie so brilliant is that you plug, you know, Kenneth Branagh into into Thor. That is that is that's brilliant. Yeah, Shakespearean director with and apparently Shakespearean actors to yep. some degree and yep. <laughs> and mythology of this awesome superhero rooted you know yeah. mythology rooted superheroes i guess and it seems kind of obvious in hindsight with it being so related to norse mythology but you know what we were talking about this this morning and in the similarities between shakespeare and superhero stories and movies is is not incidental yeah. i mean this is there is a huge overlap here i mean if you think about it shakespeare very one of the one of you know, memorable because it was so accessible. It was designed to be accessible at the time, less so now maybe, but but then, you know, in its time, it was designed for that, just like superhero well, movies. Well, that's why, you know, so many high school students are uh, made to decode Shakespeare because we still try to teach the lesson that it's accessible once you understand the language. You know what was funny? <laughs> made to decode. That's that's pretty it's apt true. description. <laughs> it was really Well, I fun. know, I know it's... <laughs> There was this time where I was working a really crappy job and I was kind of, I was kind of lonely and I, you know, cause I was just working and going home and working and going home and I was trying to find things. I didn't have any money either. So I was trying to find things to like, you know, do. Yeah. And, and I read a lot, you know, because reading awesomely is not that expensive. And one of the things I did was try to read some Shakespeare and it was really hard. I didn't really do it in high school. Like I should, I kind of BSed my way through and and I found finally one time I just got so mad that I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm just going to figure it out. And I sat down and I looked up every damn word and went through the meanings and plugged them together. And fi- like you said, decode. And I remember this point where I was looking at it and I had just I had decoded this sentence and I realized that it was a goddamn dick joke. You know, isn't that awesome? It was. And then I realized it, I, it all clicked into place and I'm like, holy crap. You're right. The language is the only thing that makes this inaccessible. This is, this is low humor in a lot of cases. You know, this is yeah, low <laughs> you know, art. You know what I'm saying? And, and shamefully, the you know the time I got that, which is even worse than your story, is is the only reason I understood what was actually going on and, and that this was happening was when they did Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio, where right. they had the actual dialogue and then the. You know the movie and acted the, it out at the same the time. Contemporary like, oh. movie around it, and I'm like, "You're shitting me." <laughs> uh, that's I didn't understand. I'd never saw Romeo and Juliet in that light before, and I had never understood the the kind of things that were happening. And then you see the the movie, and you you're like, "Really? There it is." Yeah, huh? But that bit of context, even though they were still using the same language, when you see what else is going around out around the the language, you understand it. Yeah, you start realizing that there are a lot of words that you you get, you know, with the context. Yeah, maybe not everywhere, because you know, I remember watching the movie and still thinking, I'm not getting everything they're saying, but it's way more, way more accessible. Looking, yeah, there's a lot of context. Yeah, you know, and which is helpful. That one was, I was like, oh, is that what this is about? I mean, you understand, yeah, because you went through it in school, and people tell you this is what you're supposed to do, but when you see the movie with the actual dialogue and you understand the context naturally almost you're like uh like you're saying that you still didn't get it 
all of the words, but okay, all right, I'm with it now. So you start to understand what happened. You know what else I think is kind of cool, and I haven't fully developed this thought yet, but we've been talking about Branagh and as a Shakespearean director, you know, of all these films that are based on plays, he's really well known for that. I mean, we're not talking about Shakespeare plays, we're talking about myths, but so many of those old, like, I know Anglo-Saxon isn't exactly the same. I mean, actually, the the myths of Thor and everything were written after uh, this guy. Have you ever heard of Snorri Sturluson? No, but that's an awesome name. Yes, yeah, it is. S-N-O-R-R-I, Snorri Sturluson. And uh, he was this guy who we basically have to give credit to for collecting all of these Norse myths and everything. He, he wrote the, the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda, and there was one other one. And he told all the stories of, you know, Odin and Thor and Loki and everything back when Europe was first kind of Christianized. And it was really interesting because um, at that time, Thor, who has always been portrayed as a, a good guy, protector of humanity, he's also been portrayed sometimes as the devil himself mainly by the Catholic Church, <laughs> who figure. saw him as a pagan, you know, basically counterpoint, like literally the Antichrist, right? And uh, Sturlson, when he was collecting all these stories, um, if I remember correctly, he uh, the stories were Icelandic. And, and I'm sorry, I don't remember if he was from Iceland or, or Norway, but... Um, Bad researcher! I, I, think it, I think it was Norway, because... <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't remember everything, but... I want to say it was from Norway because he collected these things and it had all these messages tacked to the front. Like, before I tell you the story of Thor and Loki and everything, you should know that as Christians, you should not believe any of these people were actually gods. None of these stories are actually true. Your God is the only true God. But and let now, me tell you the story. Now let me tell you the story. Wow. And, uh, you know, he did that to kind of make it acceptable for right. the Christian audience, but... It it's, helped him survive, probably. Exactly. Yeah. And that was his goal, because he knew that if no one told those stories, then yeah, the, church, the church would That's wipe them out. That's academic for, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I think he, he had more reverence for those stories, yeah. and, and maybe even for those gods, who knows? But, um, you know, he was raised in Christian Europe, and he knew that he knew that it wasn't going to be tolerated in its purest form. So he was trying to build a bridge. And essentially he <laughs> did. And he was, I know, and I think originally it was called the, um, the flame bridge, not the rainbow bridge. I, I might've been, I don't know. Yeah. I've, no, I'm the just, only I'm stories I've ever heard is Marvel it's, adaptation. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. been the rainbow bridge, mm-hmm. but, but Heimdall and all those other things are the same. Um, well, you know, I, I just wanted to point out that I, I think that it's not just that it's accessible and that it's uh, the similarities to, to Shakespeare and to that type of art. It's not just that it's acceptable. It's that, if you look at, at at Shakespeare plays, you know, they're designed to appeal to this wide audience and to essentially explore uh, morality and and the nature of man and essentially to get us to look at what makes us... Yeah, you ethics, know, friendship, yeah. Yeah, you know, right. love, whatever. And, exactly. Yeah, but we're going to present it in, in a format in which you can... You can... In an accessible way, and, yeah. yeah. But the way that they address com- those... Sorry, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, and that's what that's what these superhero, that's what comics, superhero comics do, and that's what superhero comic movies do. 
yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I think that, you know, the other superhero movies too, like Captain America and Iron Man and stuff, they, they deal with those same human issues, but in a much more modern way. I think that Thor presents them in a classical way. Like it's that Shakespearean style comes through, the ancient Greek style comes through, and so does the old like Anglo and, you know, pre-Christian kind of uh, epic tale. You can see influences of all of that because you've got the, the centrality of the dining hall. You know, like in all of those old Norse and Anglo tales, like it was always a, a dining I, hall where everything I, took I place. And I pointed out that I think that's because in in terms of plays, it's always easier to block. If you have 20 people on stage, a dining, a dining table is a great way to simplify well, blocking. I think that's why they did dining tables in Shakespeare. But these old Anglo poems were not performed as far uh, as anyone knows. Okay. They, were, okay. they were oral stories, but they were not put on as plays um, as far as I know. Um, the Greeks, though, did put on a lot of theater, were famous for it, right? And then um, the next most famous group of people to ever do theater were the English. So it's cool that you can see there's something grandiose, you know, like all the shots, the overhead shots that we see of uh, Asgard and the the music and the way it creates this really grand feeling of everything being super big and super important. And, and the stories are things that we can relate to, but they're presented classically, like the son being cast out by the father, the jealousy of the brother, you know, the, um, yeah. the unrequited love and the I just, stranger in a new world. And I just totally want to point out that, uh, that Shakespeare was not extremely, uh, you know, popular, but not high art in its time. High art now, you know, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that it would not surprise me at all if these, if comics and the superhero stories and, and the art that comes around them now with, in terms of movies and that sort of thing, considered low art now, won't be considered high art in a thousand years, you know, or 500 years or a time enough for people, for it to become something that requires maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, that's maybe not quite as accessible because of the differences in language and, and, and cultural framework, right? It would not surprise me if, if they don't find a similar place in, in, in culture. Well, Shakespeare didn't become that kind of well-respected, sitting at the top of the canon, kind of looking down at everything, until the mid-1800s, when there was like a new generation of American scholars who were trying to establish... Um, their own kind of ideas about American education. And these scholars kind of rediscovered Shakespeare and said, you know, this is pretty amazing stuff. We need to reintroduce this as part of our, I think they were by that time more willing to accept older English literature again, and weren't just anti-English all the time. And uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, cause before that Shakespeare wasn't considered something that everyone should read. It was just kind of like, yeah, it's part of our history, but people didn't really respect it. They didn't really know much about it. The thing is that we learned that over time, despite the, the, the fact that it's no longer culturally accessible, that those questions, the ones that, that you mentioned, Sean, the ones that we were talking about, those are still there. We're still human, yeah. you know, and we still wonder about those things. And those are still the core of our culture, even though our culture is developed differently. And, when you have something that really speaks to the core and it's so funny because you know these superheroes they seem all all cheesy sometimes but you know uh, their stories about that make us think about who we are and 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 
you know, what makes us that way and why is it important? And I just, I don't know, they're more pure in that than, than a lot of other art from this time. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that down the road when somebody looks back, you know, in terms of cultural archaeology and, and tries to look at how do we look at who we are and everything, they're going to be much more yeah. pure that way and they're probably going to stand out. Well, and it also does the same thing that sci-fi does, which is it removes a lot of the restrictions so that you can examine them without, I won't say without prejudice, but you can examine the the difficult ethical questions or, or humanity questions from a different angle that doesn't necessarily have to reflect back at you immediately. Yep. So you, yeah. can, you can take that step back and be like, yeah. okay, well... You use analogy or metaphor, and then yeah. suddenly it opens up the conversation because people feel less defensive or, or less and kind you of get personally to think invested. about it. Yeah, which yeah. is the point. Yeah, uh, and you can do that at a very young age with comics, very young. So because it's it's bright colors and there's action and there's all kinds of stuff, and then which I asked my mom about this a, a while back. I'm like, why did you do like Hulk and and Spider Man and all that kind of stuff, and not like Batman or whatever? She goes, you didn't have Batman's hangups. Like what? She's like, well, you, you know, I, I read them. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. So she's like, anybody who was, who was, uh, you know, you were going to read this kind of stuff anyway, so I might as well give you the ones that were poignant to you. I'm like, oh. Now that essay that uh, Tom uh, Hiddleton, is it Hiddleton, uh, who played Loki, we were talking about in the news segment, that essay he wrote, he mentioned the Hulk and how he thought that the Hulk was especially important because it speaks to our collective, uh, you know, all of us have a fear of our own rage in a way, he said, and that we all kind of worry what will happen if our rage gets out of control and that the Hulk addresses that. And you know what? What made me think this was a great time to bring that up? We were talking about the Avengers, and if you put these people together and you have all this godlike power, what could possibly get in the way of it? And and the Yourself. answer is themselves, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's exactly what's going to get in the way of it is – they're going to have to, and I certainly hope, you know, that they are going to have to overcome human problems that we will relate to in order to successfully defend the planet, you know? Yeah. And that's what's going to make that movie brilliant, you know, if, if it, the it is. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, there was always kind of a, a big difference between, like, uh, something like The Avengers and something like, I don't know, Justice League. Yeah, you know, or, or Super Friends. What I grew up with Super Friends, but it's basically the Justice okay, League. yeah, sure. Uh, but because you you have a different type of collection, like with the Avengers, it's it's a little bit more, I guess, uh, relatable as far as I'm concerned. Because with like uh, Super Friends or Justice League, whichever you want, I mean, Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. Superman, Bat well, uh, Batman's a bad example because he's messed up. Yeah. But I mean, you have all these people who are basically the best of us all the time. Right. And then you have the Avengers who are screwed up beyond belief. <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh, okay, you know, there's I, something so appealing about that. I think that's why Wolverine is so awesome. And yeah, so yeah. many of these other They're messed flawed up characters. like you, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Superman, you want to be Superman. You know, Iron Man, when you really think about it, you don't want to be Iron Man. <laughs> no, know, the Hulk. No. no, he has to pay dearly for that kind of thing. Like I said, the Hulk wins when he's not the Hulk. It's, that's that's a good you, day. You want certain things from them, and you want lessons you can learn from them. Yeah, that's that's it. You know, that's it. I don't want to be Thor. I would like to have Thor's joy for life. 
Yes. You know, I would like to, and I'm trying hard and I, I screw it up, but I try, I'm, I'm going to try hard every day to wake up and think like that, you know? Yeah. You know, smash my coffee cup on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Bring me another. (laughs) You want, you want to be the flash because the flash is awesome. Flash is basically no downside here. You know, (laughs) I mean, other than having the suit so you can run around without tearing your clothes off. That's about the biggest of Flash's problems, you know. I mean, it's the Flash's problems are all external; they're all you know on him. Uh, this, Maybe that's why I ended up reading more Marvel. Yeah, I, I don't know, and that's just a personal opinion. I'm sure all the the DC people are going to be flaming. Clearly, but- actually, speaking of uh, retractions, I, I should say real quick: it's not a retraction <laughs> exactly, but Uh-oh. a qualification. Um, what I was saying about Shakespeare and stuff, I I mean primarily in the U.S. I don't know if in England it was ah. seen as, you know, more respected for a long time, but you know, I'm I'm a little shaky on that. I know there are a lot of people who listen who know a lot more than I do about that. So just in case you know, maybe you can clarify on the well, forum. I think part of that is because the vast majority of people who obtain your degrees uh do it based on British literature. With a focus in British literature, it's like more, the most yeah. More common. people with English degrees, I think, go toward British lit than and you did American not, lit. Which I didn't. I don't even you have, have any, some uh, very unusual. You have depth in unusual areas, you know, but maybe not as much in the most common one. Yeah, so exactly. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I have, actually, I have but, like a a lower degree in English that was kind of a general thing, but but not the advanced British lit degree. Probably not as much as I should. But yeah. Well, Lady D, man. Shakespeare <laughs> questions? Talk to Lady D. <laughs> this movie shocked me when I saw it because it was so good. And I had kind of bought into, mistakenly and stupidly bought into the common blah, blah, blah. And when I look at a lot of the criticism of this movie, I think, man, you just really don't get it. You know, you kind of like, uh, I mean, everything from like Audra had found this one guy who, who, uh, uh, who literally pointed out, it's like, well, the hammer, when he throws it and it comes back to him, it's just like a boomerang and it's a stupid, you know, Aussie joke. And you're like, what? Dude, I don't know where you're getting that or bringing it. Hemsworth is Australian. And you're clearly some, some bringing this like, yourself. You he, walks, know? he lumbers through the movie like a dumb, stu- stereotypical surfer. And I was like, did we watch the same movie? You know, and they're Somebody like the, brought it. the hammer's like a boomerang. and He's the muscled son of a god. What do you, you expect him to daintily dance through the movie? What do you expect him to do? He's yeah. battle hardened. I I just love, I really enjoy this. This is, and Audra pointed out that this is one of those movies that kind of like, uh, kind of like Tron Legacy, you know? Yeah. It was a good movie. Not the best movie of all time, maybe for me personally, but it was a good movie. But what's really cool about it is that it, it's so rewatchable. It just almost never gets old. Yeah. You know, you can put it on, and Audra was pointing out that this movie was like that as well, you know, that you can put it on and you can just rewatch this anytime, you know? Yeah, and I tend to be less that way. For some reason, I, I get really like, I don't want to watch movies too many times because I'm worried that I'll get tired of them, you know? And this yeah. one is one of the few that I am okay just kind of having on more than once in the background and all the time yeah. and freeze framed. And you know who I'd love to see more of in this movie is Kat Dennings because oh, she, is gosh, she is hilarious and, I, and she has such a minor what's role. What's the meow meow? I cannot believe you guys don't watch two broke girls. No. Yeah, we need to. Out. I know. Yeah. Cause it's like wall to wall her and it's awesome. And she is amazing in that show. Seriously. You guys would dig it. But I, plus, uh, uh, 
this one had Natalie Portman in it, which I'm always a big fan. Yeah, she's awesome. Wing and I were having a discussion a while back. He's like, I don't understand. You can't fall in love with her in three days. I'm like, You're like, I don't fall in love with her in three seconds. (laughs) I did in two hours. I was going to say, it took me less time. So, yeah, I'm I'm thinking that's that's fine. Yeah, it's going to be okay. One of the critics complained, uh, Natalie Portman's character, Jane, is, what's her job supposed to be in the movie? She's like a... Researcher. Well, she's some kind of... Um, oh, she's an astrophysicist. Uh-huh. That's what it is. Right. And one of the critics complained that she acts more like a storm chaser than an astrophysicist. Yeah, they actually and, make fun of that in the movie at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, and huh? I was yeah. like, you know, she's doing, she's doing research, and if you're... Okay, so maybe she's a little more on the ground than most, you know, she's not like... Kuthrapali or something. Well, no, but, <laughs> but, but in the beginning, they actually address it in the film internally. You know, like mm-hmm. like she she brings in a uh, uh, gosh, uh, uh, Skarsgård's character. What's his What's his name? I feel Eric, stupid. Uh, I can't yeah. remember. Eric. They bring him in and they say, uh, 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 not Norse at all, right? No, they they bring him <laughs> in and they say, uh, you know, he she supposedly brought him in to to check out this research she's doing and had flown him in and. Uh, he's like you're not a you're not a storm chaser. He actually says it to yeah. her because she's decided that her research took this turn, where yes, she's looking at these phenomena, but she needs to, you know, do this weird thing, which kind of shows that she is supposed to be kind of uh, on the edge of of re- like other researchers probably think she's crazy. Yeah, you right, know? right. And she brought him in to do it, and it's like they literally internalized she, that she criticism in the Arthur movie. Arthur C. Clarke. And Arthur C. Clarke uh, is, well, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. I, I lost my, but but I was going to say, like, in, in those sci-fi books, it's common to have a, a character, like in Sagan's Contact, you know, where you have a, yeah. a scientist who's kind of viewed as crazy, crazy. on the yeah. outs or whatever. Well, she pulled it off a hell of a lot better than Christmas Jones. Well, come I'm on. Saying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I was I was super happy with, with that one. And I don't know, it, it seemed to blend together pretty well. I mean, all the characters and and the the action and and the storyline, even even rotating between, and I was really worried about this, even rotating between Earth and Asgard, worked out. I mean, it yeah. wasn't. Oh yeah, it wasn't difficult to deal with. It. You weren't like, oh come on. I mean, it, and it, also the Rainbow Bridge, coolest Rainbow Bridge ever. Okay, I mean, in the <laughs> comics, have you seen the Rainbow Bridge in the comics? Yeah, it's it's not good. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not good. Yeah, it's it's more Nyan Cat than what you saw. <laughs> it's like the Care Bear stare. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And then, uh, and then, which of course, as a kid, I, I imagine those that were fans probably just imagined something more like this, you know. But boy, uh, I remember telling friends about this. They're like prismatic rainbow techno. bridge, and I'm like, it's badass. It Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> it is badass. Where do you see it? You know, he flies with the hair. Oh yeah. Yeah, it works. That's cool. Trust yeah, me, it's, it's it's cool. It, they they do a great job of. I love the the fact of, uh, you know, magic and technology are very yeah similar, and this was probably the best blending of that I've seen. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, where they, I come from, a place where they are one and the same. You know, and they don't explain it to you. That's the part they don't try to it's explain important. it. It's not important. Yeah. It it works. Look, hammer. It's awesome. Yeah. Don't, don't question. You know? you know, when you said that the uh, transitions between Asgard and Earth worked out well, I think part of what makes that cool um, is that the architecture, if you look, the architecture on Asgard is something to behold. It's really cool. There are all kinds of neat Norse symbols, which some of them look remotely Celtic to me, but I- I'm not really an expert on that. But there were a lot of cool, like, spirals, inter interlocking 
symbols and like concentric circles and and then like there's that big thing that spins around that shoots them out of the the gate or whatever and if you look back at this little town in new mexico where jane and these guys are supposed to be the uh the radio station has that big satellite that points in all directions that looks kind of like it's reaching out like a star and then there's that that rooftop that they sit on and it's round and it has like those spokes kind of on it. I love it, that building that they're in. And and their their little truck is badass. <laughs> yeah, I mean there are there aren't a ton of them, but there are a couple of like little architectural and visual things in the buildings in that small New Mexico town that actually look yeah. an awful lot like they built the town for it. Yeah, exactly. And they look a lot like that kind of pattern that was left on the ground when Thor right. hit the earth and a lot of the buildings in Asgard. I thought that was awesome. Hell yeah. Well, and I, I think, uh, I'm sorry, Chuck, real quick, I was just going to say, I think that that's one of many subtleties in the movie that I think a lot of people may not appreciate, at least not right away. Um, because I was thinking about there are a lot of really subtle things going on in the movie that are very important. Like when they're having a conversation with um, the the head of the Frost Giants, and he looks over in Loki's direction when he says there are traitors oh, in the yeah. house. And there are all these interesting exchanges and glances in the battle. And, you know, and if you kind of know what's going on, especially in a rewatch, you notice all these little subtleties that may not jump out at you in the first time. Like I said, worth a rewatch big time. Um, This is uh, we have one more piece of the Avengers puzzle uh, next week with Captain America. Yeah. uh, Before which means that the following week we get to see Avengers which is pretty incredible. I, I can't believe it's going to be out that soon. I'm awesome. so excited. <laughs> it feels I mean, like it's been forever. These are just such significant pieces of art and, and enjoyable movies and stories. And, uh, I, I'm just really, really excited about the Avengers movie coming and, uh, excited to watch Captain America. Captain America was another one that kind of surprised me. I, I didn't expect much going in and, and I got a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, but Thor is definitely in my top five. It's something that gets rewatched a bunch. We should probably wrap up. Audrey, you got anything to add here at the end? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. I'll probably do a little bit more reading on Thor, see if I can discover anything Ooh, else nice. that might add to the Avengers in the meantime. Hell yeah. But uh, no, this is awesome. Sean? Um, no, I think I'm good. Uh, thanks to whoever sent me the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, Audible, or not Audible, but uh, uh, audiobook. I can't remember. I don't remember where I got it, That's which awesome. is all, which is awful. But uh, it was much appreciated. Uh, whoever whoever gave it to me, you were right. I did like it. Uh, I had to get past the the bad part, but other than that, it was really good. So I've become addicted to audiobooks now. Um, it's it's evil. It's awesome. <laughs> I've read probably like fifteen books in the last like couple months, and I've I've listened to about as many. So it's been it's been cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week with Captain America. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. 
And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producer Soleil, forum moderators Badgerspoon, Pike, and Frackentalos, GWC book club maven Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. And we're always re-watching a group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.